The last few weeks, the last month, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so Jesus, right, his, his central teaching, his, his major teaching, the first teaching that he has as a rabbi to his people is the Sermon on the Mount. Chapters 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew's Gospel. And what we had is, is over the last three weeks, we've had uh, first the Beatitudes, then last week we heard kind of what the mission was and how the mission of spreading the gospel is not meant to just be for the religious elite, but that it's meant for you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That was two weeks ago. Last week, right, we had Jesus uh, basically telling us and tightening the law. And this week we do the same. But Jesus is saying, I'm not calling you, right, to live the low bar of the faith. I'm not calling you to live the low bar of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are not the end-all, be-all. That is the low bar. It's the bare minimum. And Jesus is saying, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. And what does He do? He tightens the law. And today we have a continuation of Him tightening the law. In fact, we get the last two of Him tightening the law. The, the Scripture scholars would call these the antitheses. Because they're the antithesis of the law. It's a, it's a further tightening. It's the opposite. It's a further teaching in the law. Because Jesus does this little Jedi mind trick, if you will, where he gives the teaching and says, you have heard that it was said this, but I say to you. Antithesis, right? I say to you. It's the but. So today, as we, as we come and we hear these two, we, we, we get the end of the antitheses, we get the end of these kind of moral teachings from Jesus, we get the end of Him tightening the law in this way, and it's a perfect time because Ash Wednesday is like three days away, right? Let, let, let's look at the two and then we'll kind of look at it as a whole today. But the first two, the, the two we get today, right? You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, we've heard, I know in, in our kind of culture now, we may hear an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And a lot of times what we're hearing that, it's because somebody did something to me, so I should get to do something to them as well, right? I, at least that's how I've heard it, right? He punches you, you punch him back, right? At least that's what my dad told me whenever I was a kid. My mom was like, shut up, Jody. Anyway, um, <laughs> but like, if, if he's going to steal your, your cookie, then you steal his back, Right? It was this like, kind of broken idea of justice that, th that what we're going to do, if somebody does something wrong to you, then you get to do that back to them. Now, in the Old Testament, it's actually a different way of reading it. Because it's saying, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. They're pointing to the Old Testament. They're pointing to the Jewish law. And the Jewish law actually was saying, look, if somebody does something to you, that's the most retribution you get to take. So it's not, hey, he took your cookie, you get to punch him in the face. That, that's not how it works, right? He's, it's a limit to the retribution. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but whenever Jesus is saying, well, you don't even get that, the Jewish people would have said, they would have, they would have taken an issue with it. You mean to tell me he punches me in the face, I, I, I don't do anything? No, in fact, Jesus says, no, you, you offer the other cheek as well. Again, Uncomfortable, tightening of the law. I'm not calling you to this low, kind of visceral reaction kind of faith. I'm calling you to something higher, something bigger. And that's hard. Now, that's not to say, just 
I'm going to put a little caveat in there. That's not to say abusive situations. That's not to say just war. Like we have in our tradition places in which those kind of things are meant to be and, and meant to be kind of teased out. And this is not talking about those kind of situations. You're not supposed to just be a beaten doormat. That's not the case. Right? So let me just put a pin in that. For Just want to make sure to clarify that. Clarify that. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he is saying in, in these situations, right, that we're meant to not seek out the retribution. You've been wronged. It's not yours to go and seek it out. The next one he says, and the final one he says, and this is, I think, the, the, the kind of crux of his entire teaching, because he's kind of built up now. He has five or six of them at this point where he's kind of working his way to a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And now he's getting to the hardest one. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Every time I hear that, I, 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 I tense up. Because quite honestly, the people that have hurt me, the people that the people that have taken advantage of me at different points in my life, the people that have, have bothered me, the people that, that they, they don't deserve my love. That, that's the easy, that, that's kind of the, that, I think that's the human response, right? I've been hated, I've been hurt, I've been ridiculed, I've been wounded by somebody, you know what? You're done. And you don't deserve my love. And Jesus looks at us and says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why would Jesus save that for the last one? Because Jesus is not calling us to be like the rest of the world. He's not calling us to be, to be uh, enslaved into that, that, that initial reaction, right? that visceral reaction. But Jesus is saying, I want you to be like God. How often, if you make a practice of going to confession, when you go to confession, how often do you walk in and say the same sins? Just a, I, I'm just rolling through the same list that I said last week or the week, be, week before or ten years before, whenever the last time I went, right? Like, I'm just rolling through the same sins. And yet, God still shows up and forgives me. If I only seek it. And Jesus is saying, I, I, you're called to be like God. Not like a human. <laughs> not, like, not, not, with a, not with a broken humanity. Not, not, not with a grudge held. But you're called to be like God. That's why I think the most important thing that he says in this entire gospel, and one of the most important things that he says probably in the entire New Testament, but definitely in the Sermon on the Mount, is the last line of today's gospel. Be perfect, so be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It was funny, today I was walking, uh, I, I left here and I was walking the, the parade route a little bit and stopping every 15 feet and saying hello to people and it was, it was a good time. Um, but at one point somebody stopped me who was at 1030 Mass and they said, Father, I was waiting for you to look at me and I was waiting for you to, whenever you read that piece about be perfect like God, I said, yeah. She said, I was waiting for you to say that Jesus didn't really mean that. And I said, oh no, 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 he meant it. <laughs> so you're probably sitting there like, oh man, <laughs> right? 
But there's a, there's, there's a reason why he meant it. And, and, and scripture scholars actually would point to the Old Testament reading that we had today in the book of Leviticus. And, and there's a line in it that, that's meant to be kind of read in tandem, right? That Jesus said this and the Old Testament said it as well. But the Old Testament puts it this way. He, it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire, to the whole Israelite community and tell them, be holy. For I, the Lord your God, am holy. Right? The word perfect, the word holy, it's meant to kind of bring about the same thing. That, that we're called to be holy as God is holy. We're called to be perfect as God is perfect. We are called to make present God in the world. That's why Jesus starts with these antitheses and saying, I'm not calling you just to be at a bare minimum. I'm not calling you just to follow the Ten Commandments, then hang up your boots and it's good to go for the day. No, 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 no. I'm calling you to something greater. Like, like, listen to the list of them. You shall not kill or be liable to judgment, but I say to you, don't even be angry. You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, don't look at a woman with lust. You shall not make a false oath, I say don't swear at all. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, give the other cheek as well. And love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute. Like, you're looking for homework for Lent? Take that. I, I, I mean that. I mean that barely, like not really tongue in cheek. Like you want, you want homework for Lent. You want to try and do something. Great. Take, take the, take Matthew chapter five. Pray with it every day and put that into practice. Because God, because Jesus is saying, I want you to be holy. I want you to be perfect. I want you to be an image of me walking around in the world. There, there was a uh, when I was in I, after many of you know I was. After high school, I graduated high school and I went to LSU for a few years and I was involved in the Catholic Center at LSU at Christ the King. Um, and the priest that we had at Christ the King uh, was about the last person you would ever expect to be effective and good at a campus ministry. Um, he was about a five foot two uh, Asian man, a Vietnamese priest named uh, Tan Vu. Um, great man. One of the things I remember about Father Tan was that when he would celebrate Mass and he would read the Gospel, he had a photographic memory, so he would just do it from memory. And he would sit there and he would read the entire Gospel, and I remember it was like it was Palm Sunday one weekend, and we were standing around and looking around, and I'm like, I bet he ain't getting this one. <laughs> ain't a chance, because it's the long one, right? Like, And he's having to read it, and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, he read, he glanced, that was great. Anyway, um, but we would, like, he was awesome. He was a great guy, like really, really holy man. Um, he, he, he always had some kind of like really, really awesome wisdom. We actually convinced one of the freshmen that he had a, a hidden dojo in the, in, the, um, in the Catholic Center. Don't ask me why, because we were mean. Anyway, uh, so we, 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 I remember he, he was this awesome guy, walked with us. Um, I think in his time there, when I, when I went into the seminary, uh, right as I was leaving to go into the seminary, we found out that he had a rare form of cancer that... that, uh, that plagues Asian, the Asian community. And within, within four years, he was dead. Um, and I remember a, a, a pile of us, it was like about ten of us that went in the seminary that had been like inspired by this man that, that went from the seminary in, back to the funeral. And, uh, and while we were there, um, it, was, it was Bishop Robert Munch was, the, was the, uh, the bishop. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in the Mass and, and listening to the homily. And Bishop Munch comes out and starts talking about Father Tan. And, and one of the things he says, he says, uh, he says, Tan Vu and Jesus were inseparable. It was, one, it was one of the most profound lines I can ever remember. Tan Vu 
and Jesus were inseparable. And I think about that and I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, it didn't matter if it was in mass, it didn't matter if it was like hanging out in, a, in, a, in like our activity center, like cafe kind of space, like, it didn't matter if I just saw him on the campus, it, it didn't matter if he was, he was in charge of like yelling at us or, or doing something like, like building us up and hanging out with us, like it didn't matter, it was, he, he was inseparable with God. And I remember sitting there in the, in the pew in this church in Baton Rouge thinking, if only people could say that about me when I die. And, and I don't mean that about me, but I, I think that's an invitation for all of us, right? Like, if, if, only, God, if only people, the, the priest, the bishop, whoever it is that says our funeral, could look out and say, that you and Jesus were inseparable. That's what holiness looks like. That when somebody looks at you, they may see you, they may hear you, but they also see Jesus and hear His Word. They see Him alive and active in your life. The church gives us a... In the next three days, we we start a season that is perfect for us to to, to really dive in and to get rid of all the stuff that is not of the Lord. (laughs) To get rid of all the junk, right, that skews his face, that muffles his words. So where is it in your life right now that you know, hey, this part of my life is not speaking Jesus. <laughs> this part of my life is not speaking the Lord. This part of my life doesn't sound like God. When I do this, I know I'm, I'm, I'm stepping away from being Jesus. Like that, that's where God wants to work, this Lent. That, that's where God wants to speak with you. That, that's going to be a whole lot more effective than giving up chocolate for the 47th year in a row. Just saying. That's going to be a whole lot more effective. That's going to change your life a whole lot more than not eating sour cream and onion, Lay's potato chips. Just saying. Very, very specific. Just saying. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the Lord calls us to do. He, he, he wants us to make Him visible in the world. And how does that begin? Well, but first, getting rid of everything that's not of Him. I'll end with this, and I know I've said this before, but I think it's a powerful image, and I think it's a good image as we step into Lent. Um, the, the, the process of smelting gold. Um, I, you may have heard me say this before, but the process of smelting gold, what they do is, is they take uh, the gold and they melt it down, right? And what happens is, is that if you're a chemistry person like me, right? Like, or if you're a science person like me, like, what, what happens is, is that gold is a dense metal. So when you melt it down, the gold will typically sink to the bottom. And anything that's not gold, anything that's impure, it, what it does is it typically rises to the top. It's lighter. So as you have molten gold, it sinks to the bottom. It, a lot of other things, all, all these other pieces, all the other elements, they all kind of make their way to the top. So what happens is, is that as someone's smelting gold, when they're trying to get down the 24 karat gold, what they do is, is they just sit over this like crucible kind of thing, this 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 heated up kind of kind of deal, uh, stone kind of bowl, right? And what they're doing is, is they just kind of skim off the top all the imperfections. And and as they take all the imperfections off. The, 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 the saying is, is that when you can see your reflection in the gold, that's when it's pure. Lent is the crucible. <laughs> like we, we have the opportunity to be melted down if we allow it. We have the opportunity to have the imperfections rise to the surface. 
And if we do it well, in some 40-some-odd days, right, well, the resurrection, it, it, it happens in us as well. That Jesus is made visible as we're pure. As we're purified by the season. As we go into this Lenten season, let, let's let everything that's not of God burn away. It, it, and especially those sins that we want to hold on to. Especially those when, where we find some kind, of, some kind of consolation that we think is feeding us, but it's really poisonous and killing us, right? Like, let, let's, let's start there. And let all those things that are imperfections, all those things that skew the image, just be ladled away and burned away. As we, as we come into this season, as we come into this time, right, the Lord wants to be made visible. Like, like God wants your life to be inseparable from His. So those things that pull us away, let's burn them away. Let them go. And let the Lord work. With that, we'll, we'll, we'll listen to the Old Testament and be holy as your Heavenly Father is holy and we'll, and we'll listen to Christ Himself and allow ourselves to be made more perfect.